This morning, we're talking about humility. And if you look in Galatians chapter 5, where it lists the fruit of the Spirit, you will see the fruit of gentleness. And the Amplified Bible, which just expounds upon, you know, the New Testament was written in the Greek, and just expounds upon the meaning of those words, um, defines gentleness as meekness and humility. Um I thoroughly enjoy worshiping our Lord, and I am so grateful to Julie and to our worship team just to bring us into his presence every morning. Amen. Let's, yeah, let's give him a hand. Praise God. And this morning, it was so cool because as I was just worshiping him, and I love just to meditate on the words of the songs and really what they mean, um, you know, the one song that we sang talked about he became sin he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we can be the righteousness of God. And then in another song, um, we sang about we desire to be the church. You desire us to be. And I just thought, praise God. That just so goes along with what he laid on my heart to talk about today. But Jesus is our example of humility. Jesus is God. And God, who created us, chose to come in the form of a man, actually in the form of an, a man, but yet an infant, wholly dependent on those whom he created. You know, the full Godhead was present in creation. It uses the pronoun us. Father God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they were all present in creation. Isn't that amazing then? that he who created us came as one of us, as a little baby, fully dependent on his own creation, and he humbled himself. He is God, but he humbled himself as a man. He had emotions as we do. I'm sure he got picked on as a kid and probably cried and got his feelings hurt. He was fully human, and he did that, to sh he, he did that showing us that's our example of humility. And he humbled himself even to the point of dying on a cross for us. And then the Bible says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. God exalts the humble. The Bible says that he lifts up and he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Humility is important, and our Savior is the greatest example there is. So who would like to know his heart better? We know his heart, but who would like to know it more deeply, the heart of Jesus? I would, right? Do you know how you really get to know a person's heart? Is by listening to them pray. If you listen to a person pray, you will really get to know their heart. Numerous times in the Gospels, it talks about Jesus going off alone to pray. But in John 17, the whole chapter is a prayer Jesus prayed to his father, and it was shortly before he was taken to be crucified. And I'm thinking just of the number of times where it says he went off to pray. And, and here, 
I mean, all his prayers were special and important, but the one he prays shortly before he knows. In fact, the very first verse of the chapter says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. The time has come. He knew it was time for him to give his life for us. And then he continues on talking to his heavenly father, talking to his dad. And we get to read that prayer word for word. We get to know what he said to his dad. Isn't that a privilege? Isn't that a treasure? And it shows us his heart. We're not going to look at the, um, <clears throat> the whole chapter, but I wanted us to read, if you would put on the screen, the few verses in which he particularly prays for us. He prays for you and for me. So if we want to start, John 17, I believe it starts with verse 20, if we have that. My prayer is not for them alone. He's referring to the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. And I just want to stop just for a moment. Who will believe in me? Again, the Amplified Version expounds upon that word believe. What it really in its fullness means, those who will cling to, trust in, and rely on me. Every time Jesus said, those who will believe in me, those three words are there. Cling to or adhere to, trust in, rely on. I had a busy week this week, and I was so glad that I could just rely on God. So believing in him isn't just our head knowledge. Yep, I believe Jesus is the son of God. Are you relying on him? Because when Jesus says those who believe in me, that's what he means. So he's praying for those of us who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity. Say unity. To let, why? This is important. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Isn't that the mission of this church? And I would hope every Christian church in this area to let the lost know of the love of Jesus. We desire to be, as we sang, the church that Jesus wants us to be. Now, he's praying to his father right before his crucifixion. And this is what he's saying. May they be brought to unity. Unity is achieved only through humility. To achieve unity without humility is absolutely impossible. And I think just by reading that prayer, we can realize the importance of it. Without unity with each other, we are not going to really reach the lost as Jesus desires us to. But, you know, I'm excited because I believe the end isn't that far 
a way that we are in the end times and Jesus is returning for a beautiful church and I believe there will be a large end time harvest. So that tells me that unity is here and unity is coming in a greater way. So that's exciting. I know as I was preaching this or preparing to preach this message, I was excited to talk about humility and how unity is only achieved through humility. And I knew it's coming. It is coming. Let's talk for a moment about the early church because the early church was very successful in reaching unbelievers, weren't they? Christianity spread fast big time. So let's look at another scripture to see what Paul said to the church, um, to the Philippian church. If you would put up Philippians 2, starting with verse 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. This just parallels the prayer of our Savior. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. See, we achieve unity through humility. And before we talk more about what humility is, I want to talk a little bit about what humility is not. Because the worldly perspective of humility is wrong. The worldly thinking is that humility is weakness. And it's the exact opposite. Meekness actually is defined as strength restrained. A humble person is an incredibly strong person. Remember, Jesus is our example, and he is all-powerful. But he restrained some of that power when he allowed the person to nail him to the cross, right? But he did so because he had a purpose and he had a plan in mind. So humility is not weakness. Humility is also not humiliation. A wrong view of humility would imply that we can humble another person. Remember, it is a fruit of the Spirit. So its only source is the Holy Spirit. We can't humble someone else. We can't put it on someone else that comes from the Holy Spirit. That attempt is not true humility. What that is is shaming someone or belittling someone or tearing them down, thinking you're humbling them. That is from the enemy, and that is not humility. Humility is also not allowing someone to do that to you. That's not being humble, allowing someone to belittle you. See, humility is really knowing who you are in Christ. And knowing who you are imparts the courage to stand up for yourself. You are a beloved child of the king. He doesn't want someone shaming you or belittling you. See, there is freedom in humility. Let's say at work, <clears throat> just to use an example, um, let's say someone is spreading nasty lies about you at work. I just, Ryan and I had lunch with um, some people who attend this church last week, and she was just sharing with me how amazed she was just 
at the amount of gossip in her workplace and just the backbiting and, oh, you know, how terrible that is and how she prays for them and tries to, to love but stay on the outer edge a little bit, not to get in that. But, I mean, this is the world we live in, right? So let's say someone is um, gossiping, spreading lies about you at work. Now, the Holy Spirit, it's not a one-size-fits-all. That's why we are led of the Spirit. He may instruct you just to remain quiet, just to remain quiet. And see, humility will enable you to do that because you know that your reputation is in his hands. And you're not seeking to please others, but to please God. So even if people are believing a lie about you, you can still walk in joy and in peace because you know, hey, God knows the truth. He knows I'm obeying what he told me to do. My reputation is in his hands. And may the truth may not come out immediately, but it will in his timing. So I can be strong. I can even enjoy my life and it's okay. The Holy Spirit may tell you to stand up for yourself. But for some of you, that might be hard because you might think, well, what if I offend someone in the process? I don't know. They might get even more angry at me. But again, humility says, if they do, it's okay because you're doing what God told you to do. See, pride is actually bondage. It drives a person to self-exalt, to defend they, they can't live in peace. There is so much strength and wisdom in humility. Humility and wisdom go hand in hand. And, um, you know, as Pastor Ryan has taught us on the fruit to the spirit, you can kind of see even just from this example how they're all interwoven. See how walking in humility, you also walk in peace and joy. Even when your circumstances aren't that great, people at work are talking behind your back you can still have peace and joy because ultimately you're living for him and you get to that point where I don't really care so much what you think. I pray for your salvation. I pray for you, but if you don't like me, it's okay. And there's so much um, strength. There's so much freedom in that. Let's talk about what humility is. As I said, humility really is strength. And why it's strength is because a humble person is fully dependent on the Lord. Remember the definition of to believe in Jesus is to cling to, to rely on, to trust in. That's dependence. And in that is strength. Humility is attractive. Okay, yep, we got him up there. Humility is attractive. And... Um, if you think of the word attraction in its true sense, and its true meaning, something that is attracted is drawn to the thing that it's attracted to. It's drawn to it. As we've been talking, you, you know a, a humble person walks in confidence, and people are drawn to a confident person, aren't they? Their exterior may seem confident, but if they're not operating in the fruit of humility and in the knowledge of who they are in Christ, they're not confident. They're insecure, and they're just posing as a confident person. But a truly confident person, people are drawn to that person, and that comes from humility. 
A humble person receives correction. That's not fun, is it, to receive correction? It's not fun. I want to ask you this question. Think of the last time someone corrected you, particularly if it was someone in leadership. The last time someone corrected you. Was your response gentle or was it harsh? Because remember, humility, you know, is the full meaning of the fruit of gentleness. And living in humility, it enables you to respond in gentleness. See, gentleness, too, is strength, and it speaks volumes. It says, I can be quick to speak. Or excuse me, it says the opposite. I can be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? If someone's correcting you, you don't have to defend right away. You can listen and be slow to speak because you know why. Again, your reputation is in God's hands. A person operating in pride has to defend. They are driven to defend. They interrupt Even though Ryan and I are so working on not interrupting each other, my goodness. (laughs) I hope that doesn't show too much pride on each other, but we're getting better. But they can't even, you know, let the person finish because they've got to defend. Because it's all on them. There's no reliance on God. Even their dreams and their desires, you know, could you imagine Not knowing that God has a good plan for you and that he's going to go before you and pave the way. I mean, sure, if if you desire a promotion at work, that's a good thing. And you're going to do, Pastor Arnie has preached some great sermons on um, how to work hard in the workplace and work smart and be ethical and gain those promotions. And you're going to do all that. But you can still do it and rest. Because you know you've prayed about it. You're trusting God. He's going before you and preparing the way. But if you didn't have any of that knowledge, it's all on you. So that person is going to be more apt to be harsh, trying to pave their own way. No gentleness resides in a person not operating in humility. A humble person can put others before him or herself because they know God exalts the humble. That's easy to do. You can put someone before yourself because it's not up to you. Who lifts you up? Ultimately, it's God. So it makes it a lot easier to put someone before yourself. And I just want to stop for a moment and just give you an example. This morning, I spoke with Diane Colts. And she gave me permission to use this example. Um, As I was bringing my daughter into the nursery, Diane heads up our nursery department. And she so faithfully serves and does the schedule. And um, she has for a long time. Well, (laughs) this church isn't very old, but for as long as she's been here. And, um, you know, I, I just believe that God has a special place in his heart for people who serve his children because they are so near and dear to his heart. If you really study the word, what it says about how God views children, you'd be amazed 
And so those of us who serve his children, I think we're all going to be just surprised at the rewards in heaven our nursery servants receive because those babies and those two-year-olds are so near and dear to his heart. And so Diane has just been a faithful servant. And, you know, those, those nursery volunteers, people don't necessarily come up to them and pat them on the back and say, wow, you served the, great, uh, the greatest of us this morning. You know, they're really the greatest of us, and you got to serve them this morning. Way to go. They don't hear that. Okay, it's just in and out right now. They miss service. We'll be going to two services soon, I'm sure, when we get in our new building. But... You know, that faithfulness. And she said to me, Hope, the mayor called me and he left me a message saying he wanted to speak to me. And I had no idea why he called. And she called back and he wants her to serve on two boards. And see, Diane is also, yeah, praise God. Influence. We want influence in our community because then we can let our light shine. Amen. She's been sharing just how she faithfully prays for West to Pier. She has a heart for this community. She's lived here a long time. So she's been praying. She's been serving in a way that isn't visibly seen, but God sees right? And God goes before and makes a way. So I just thought that was a great example how um, God lifts up the humble. A humble person also does not judge others. Remember how I said unity is achieved through humility? Well, we can't have unity within Life Church. We can't have unity with other churches if we're judging each other and if we're judging other churches, right? See, humility knows that there is only one true judge, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is all-knowing, and we are not. That is why we are not to judge one another, because we don't know everything. It may seem to us that we do, but we don't. That's his position. And um, that's, just, that's just really just really important to me, just really near and dear to my heart. I think maybe it's because, you know, just being a parent and loving my kids so much, and Pastor Ryan and I have four, and just how it blesses my heart when they get along. This morning as I was, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Like this morning, I was getting ready, and I was putting on my makeup, and Amarissa and Faith and Baby Charity were sitting in a circle in the kitchen, and um, they were rolling a soccer ball because they just thought it was so cute. Charity just turns one tomorrow, and she loves pushing a ball, and she's got the concept of pushing it and rolling it. So they were sitting in a circle just rolling this ball. I'm like, oh, this is just so wonderful, until my two-year-old little boy Landon realized it was his soccer ball, and then it was all over. But... You know, it, it just really blesses my heart when they get along. And if they were to say something, mean, which they do from time to time, say something mean to each other, or, and, and I don't think it's gotten to this point, but maybe with their friends, say something behind each other's back. It probably has gotten to that point. But, you know, that's just, that's just sad. I love to see my kids loving each other and encouraging each other. And we are Father God's kids we're his children. And I think that's why in the word, if you study where he says, do not be judged or do not judge or you will be judged because 
He doesn't want us judging each other. He wants us to love each other. So when we see a weakness in someone, we need to realize, okay, I don't see the full picture. And then let's pray for that person. Rather than gossip, just shut your mouth and pray for that person. And that, it may sound small, but it's huge. Because didn't Jesus say it's through unity that will let the world know that God sent Jesus. So it is so important. And it is my prayer. You know, it says that gossip goes down like a tasty morsel. It's easy to do in conversation, just to slip it in. But it's my prayer right now that the Holy Spirit, every time before we go there, that we'll recognize it for what it is, its destructiveness, and we'll just stop. We'll just stop. We'll change the subject. And then if it's still kind of in our mind after that conversation, we'll pray for that person. The Bible says that God gives grace to and exalts the humble, but opposes the proud. It is so important. And this message is, it's the close on the Fruit of the Spirit um, series that Pastor Ryan has been doing. And we haven't gone in depth on every single fruit, but as you can see, they're really all woven together, aren't they? They're all interwoven. And I've heard people say, I don't know why the fruit of patience really comes to mind. Oh, I am not a patient person. I am just not a patient person. Well, the truth is, and this isn't being overly spiritual. This is the truth. See, right before Jesus prayed that prayer in John 17, he told his disciples, he was preparing them for his departure. He told them, I will not leave you alone. I'm going to send you a helper. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. And it says in a number of different verses that the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Mary said, actually lives inside of each and every one of us. So if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is living within you. And in him resides all of the fruit. So you can say, I'm not a patient person. But do you know what? It is within you. It is. Because it's in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in you. And you may say, well, that sounds good. But, you know, how do I really, how do I really access that? And I just want to give you one example. Um <clears throat> from my life that God just brought to mind. It was when Pastor Ryan and I were living in Minnesota and we were attending a great church. When we moved out there, I knew one person in the Twin Cities and um, I was a stay-at-home mom and we just got involved in our church, met a lot of friends. It was an awesome church. We grew a lot in our walk with the Lord and in our walk with each other and as a family. Um, And on Sundays during football season, because Ryan was a sportscaster, he had to work. Um, and, And typically there were seasons where he had to work a lot. And it really didn't bother me too much. I had my friends and my activities. You know, I had my routine and I was fine. But um, during football season, he worked Saturdays and Sundays and we would, he would still be able to go to church most of the time, but we took two separate vehicles. And then right after the service, he'd quick have to scoot out because the Vikings usually played at noon. And um, so anyway, I served in the nursery and 
on those Sundays where when Ryan had to go into work, I really struggled because I remember driving the van and I had, we just had our two oldest, Faith and Amaris at that time. And on Sundays in particular, because growing up, my dad didn't work Sundays. It was always a family day. We'd go to church Um, We'd usually watch the Packer game. If it was Packer season, we'd go visit our grandparents. And it was just a family day. So to have Ryan gone, I just experienced pangs of loneliness. And I mean, you know, really to what some people experienced loneliness, it was small, but it was there nevertheless. And I felt it. Loneliness and dread. And I would think... Gosh, you know, it sure would be nice if I could sit next to him in service and hold his hand and get a little bit of time in with him before, you know, he left to go off to work. But I'm on the nursery schedule. And um, it just seemed to kind of intensify that loneliness and that dread for the day even more so. But as I drove, I realized that I had a choice because I could focus on I miss Ryan. I'm going to be alone all day. I like Sundays to be family days. Or I could focus on the joy of serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as I thought about it, what made it in a sense even sweeter was that he knew. He knew I was feeling lonely. He knew I was feeling that dread. So to go in and to serve him with a smile on my face, made it even that much sweeter because he knew what I was feeling. He cared. And so I chose to focus on the joy that, oh my gosh. See, we can't think about things in a small way. Someone could say, oh, you know, there were, it was a large church. There were hundreds of babies. So she got to serve a few, no big deal. But to God, I was serving his babies. And to God, I was doing it with a good attitude. And that was huge. And I knew that. I knew I get to go in and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. See, that's how we need to look at service in the church. I heard someone say once, oh, I've got to fulfill my duty in the nursery. It's not a duty. It's an opportunity to serve your king. That is what it is. Now, my emotions... If I would have focused on the loneliness, the dread, they were still there. And I'm glad that Pastor Ryan has said we're real here. I didn't deny it. They were there. But it was what what was I focusing on? What was I magnifying on? Magnifying. And I find for me it helps to talk out loud. So as I drove, I just spoke out loud. Thank you that I can serve you. Thank you that you know how I'm feeling. Thank you that you're going to be with me all day. And then that joy grew. See, the joy was within me. What was on the surface? Our surface is like our soulish realm. It's our mind, will, emotions, our flesh, and bam, that loneliness, that dread, it was right there. But where was I going to put my focus? If I went a little deeper, I knew the Holy Spirit is within me, and in him is joy, so I'm going to find it, and I'm going to place my attention there. I'm going to set my mind there. And he carried me throughout that day. So we can do it. We can do it, but it's not through our strength. It's all through his, and we give him all of the glory. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, and if you don't, if you haven't received him as your savior, the Holy Spirit 
in whom all of the, the, the fruit resides is not living within you. And it is so much better having him live within you. So I'd like you to please bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now. And I just want to extend an invitation. If there be anyone in this room who has not decided it's a choice, who, have not, who has not decided to make Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior with no one looking around, I would like you to please raise your hand. like you to follow um, after me in this prayer, please. Lord God, we love you. We desire to be the church you desire us to be. I commit myself to a spirit of unity. And I thank you that your light will shine brightly through me, and it will be a testimony to others. I give you all of the glory. Help me to be fully dependent on you. In Jesus' name, amen.